As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, Deshaun Reed, getting you set for the 7-5 and five Raiders, taking on the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday in Vegas, a big game for playoff implications. And Vic, you have some news that you reported on Wednesday that it sounds like the Raiders are going to be a little bit closer to full strength. Yeah, from what I'm hearing, that uh, they expect Josh Jacobs, uh, Jonathan Abram, and Trent Brown all to play on Sunday. Damon Nett's not totally been ruled out. He's on the concussion protocol, but uh, I think there's a little shot he also plays. That'd be huge. I thought on Monday that they got they need at least two of those four guys to play and have a chance to win, I thought. And now if they have three or four back, definitely it's a, it's a big lift. And Trent Brown is going to be that much more important this week just because the rise of Brandon Parker came to a screeching halt last week and Sam Young took his place. And this week they're going against a Colts front four that, you know, it's probably a top three front four in in the league. So, you know, if they want to release four or five wide and not give help to the tackles, they're going to need Brown to play. Brown can kind of break this short-term funk the offensive line has fallen into the last couple weeks they had a not so great performances against the Falcons and the Jets so obviously he's a huge upgrade even if he's not 100% still over over Young or Parker and obviously if Jacobs is back along with that then then the run game game will get a major boost that's kind of been slow for them and and putting a lot of pressure on the pass game the last few weeks. I can tell what Derek Carr said that Trent Brown's the best in the world at what he does. So that's a pretty nice uh, compliment. And definitely, if you want, if you get a guy back who's the best in the world at something, that's, that's a good thing. So he practiced on Wednesday. That's really his first time, you know, getting back out there and practicing in a while. Obviously, I mean, we know it's been a frustrating season for him, and, and Raider fans have been frustrated. But by not seeing him, you know, he's the highest paid player on the roster for this season. He's he's making more this year than Derek Carr is. But I mean, Derek's not wrong. I mean, in terms of that assessment, I don't think. I mean, when he's healthy and available, I mean, we saw what he how he impacted that offense last year. I mean, he basically just allows you to really not worry about that side of the field in terms of uh, you know pass rush. 
Yeah, even against Kansas City, he wasn't totally healthy. Like, he couldn't even bend down. He was, it just looked kind of funny. He was just, like, standing around, and he was still dominating. Nobody could get around him. If he's healthy, yeah, it just makes a world of difference not having to put a tight end or running back to the right side and chip every single time. I mentioned Carr in the Zoom today. He had, at one point, he had his hands close together. He said, this is your pocket. And then when you have Trent Brown, he put his arms way out wide. This is your pocket. So definitely he sees that there's a lot more room, both in the passing game and the running game, uh, with, with Trent back. Were Brandon Parker or uh, or Sam Young watching that uh, that Zoom call? Did, did they give me side eye? <laughs> I doubt it. I think I think they yeah, they know. I mean they know they're not sure. I mean Brandon Parker. I know that's Ted's guy, living and dying with him all year long. But I think Brandon <laughs> Parker knows where he stands as far as the uh, the ratings of uh, right tackles go. Um, I mean, in terms of getting Jacobs back, I mean, I know it was uh, initially a little bit of a surprise that he even had to miss the Jets game just because of how tough of a, of a guy he is. that He doesn't like to miss games. So um, getting him back, getting that ankle hopefully closer to full strength. We've seen even when he was in there, the, the last couple games that he played, the running game has been struggling a little bit and they didn't move the ball that much on the ground with Devontae Booker starting uh, against the Jets. So to get John Gruden, I think, fully going in his play calling, he needs that effective ground game. The Colts, they have a pretty good run defense, but as far as DVOA, they're 11th in, in rushing DVOA, and the Jets are actually high up there. I think they're like top five in running DVOA, so they might actually get a little bit of a break as far as seeing you know a bit of an easier run defense than they, they have in, in the last couple weeks with Atlanta, how much they've improved defensively. One area that they, they really have to attack this Colts defense is in is they have to be able to beat their corners. And, you know, last week Carr and Aguilar's connection was off, but this week they can have some opportunities deep because the Colts have a very good defense. But those corners are good zone corners, but if they have to cover deep and you can buy some time and attack them deep, they're vulnerable there. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see with the Colts playing a lot more zone. I think the Jets were primarily playing man and, and blitzing a lot. but And that's kind of what led Darren Waller to have had the big game that he did against the Jets. Not to say that he didn't beat zone coverage as well, because he did, but I, I wonder if with the Colts going to zone more, if, if they target him as often. But I suppose having Jacobs back, they, they probably won't need to. They're able to find success on the ground. I don't think the Jets have a better, I know the DVOA says, but I mean, the Colts are only I think they're fourth in, in rushing yards allowed per attempt this season. So I, don't know, I think it'll be more difficult for them to run this this week. But um, that might be balanced out by the fact that they have or, or expected to get Jacobs and Brown back. You know, the way they were able to win that game on Sunday. I mean, we know if they had lost that this week would look and feel a whole lot different. I mean, Vic, what do you sense just kind of uh, was they're mostly their reaction kind of in the aftermath was was there relief was there a sense that they can kind of springboard now that they they were able to survive uh, how do you think they kind of responded to that yeah that's a good question i think there definitely obviously was relief i know derek went on twitter i mean on twitter and youtube that day and tried to talk to the fans about how they feel some of them didn't appreciate the win as much as they should have and you know wins are tough to get in the nfl no matter who you play but I think they also got to be realistic. I mean, there are a lot of things in that game that are pretty ugly. So, I mean, if you really are a playoff team, a lot of things need to be fixed right away. The run defense was 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 horrible. I think, you know, and offense had some trouble early on also. So I just think that um, I'm sure there's relief. But it has to be a, a definitely a commitment to get better right away because they must realize that that product's not even close to being good enough to get to where they want to get to this year. All right, so they're taking on the Colts this week, and it's an old friend, Philip Rivers. They know him. They've played against him so much. I mean, Ted, when you watch Rivers this year with the, with the Colts, 
I mean, is he the same guy? Have you have you noticed any changes in his game uh, since he went to Indy? No, I think he's getting better protection than he, he did with the Chargers for sure. And if you remember the two games that Rivers played against the Raiders last season when he's with the Chargers, they, they got a ton of pressure on him and some sacks. So I think with the Colts, he has better protection, but you still see that, you know, that arm and his ability to throw deep is just not what it used to be. He's going to attack horizontally and, sh- and short. You know, he's, he has so much experience that he knows exactly what defense you're going to be in and he knows how to counter and call, get into the right plays. Those are his strengths. The, the Colts don't have an explosive offense, but they have a fundamentally sound defense and they're going to be able to move the ball. And Rivers is just, you know, kind of like point guarding that, that offense. He's not doing anything amazing, but he's getting the ball to the playmakers. One thing I noticed last week was that uh, T.Y. Hilton had a big game. He's had a rough year with injuries and kind of struggled, and all of a sudden kind of – I mean, if he's back healthy, that's a huge boost for that offense. And they have Michael Pittman, who I like a lot. The rookie receiver is definitely a nice possession type guy. But if Hilton's back to where he was in years past, all of a sudden that offense has gotten a lot better uh, just you know, recently. And the Colts haven't had as much rushing success as I thought they would coming into this season. But in terms of pass protection, they've been up there with the best teams in the league. And so – even though Rivers doesn't have, you know, that arm strength and, and the ability to push the ball deep down the field. I mean, if he has all day to throw, I mean, this this defense has shown throughout the entire season that it, it can get picked apart on those short and intermediate routes as well. I mean, the Jets had some success doing that with Sam Darnold and, and weapons that they have. So obviously he's, he's well past his prime, but I, th- I still think he's somebody that can hurt the Raiders given how they played on defense this season and with them having the potential to be without you know, guys like Arnett or, or some other players who are up in the air health-wise. I was going to add that if the Colts, if they commit to the run, I mean, it could be trouble for them. We mentioned last week how the Jets, you know, totally abused them that, that way. But also this week, I mean, it's not a huge move, but you know, the Raiders put Daniel Ross on, on waivers and they lost him to the, the Jags, claimed him. Again, not a, not a marquee player by any means, but they don't have a lot going on at tackle right now. they got Hankins and Mo Hurst is kind of playing at 50%. Malik Collins was put in IR um, that was two weeks ago so. All of a sudden, you only got uh, Kendall Vickers is starting now to tackle. So you got Vickers and you got Hankins, and you kind of move other guys over. But it's not a lot of beef inside if the Colts really want to try and establish a running game up, you know, up the middle. They got to watch out for Nian Himes in the pass game. He's been really good as a receiver out, out of the backfield, too. So, you know, Littleton hasn't been great, but the Colts offense are going to try to match up Hines and Littleton in the past game, and they're going to have to find a way to shut him down because he, he's been electric in, in the past game in the last few weeks. You look over at the Colts defense and, uh, you know, some familiar faces, uh, you know, Justin Houston, obviously the former Chiefs defensive end, uh, you know, he's there. He's got seven and a half sacks. He had 11 for the Colts last year. So he's shown since he left Kansas City and went to Indy that he still has uh, some juice left. And uh, Danico Autry, six sacks on the season for the Colts. I mean, he really, I mean, his post Raiders career has really uh, turned into a, a pretty darn good player for the Colts. He was good when, when he was on the Raiders. I always thought he was underrated, but uh, definitely he's definitely made the most of uh, his chances there. And uh, he also does a lot of TJ, TJ Carey's on that team, right? I think he's, he's playing a little more now than the other day. So he had a lot of old, familiar faces. Yeah, and DeForest Buckner, man, he's a monster. Like, you know, I always thought he was kind of underrated as a Niner, but, you know, just going back and watching some of, some of the film from this season, he's just, he's just a dominating force inside. So that's going to be a great matchup to watch, too, because, you know, the Raiders have one of the better interior uh, lines in the league with Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, Denzel Good, and just that's going to be a huge matchup to watch for. If You know, we, we know Carr isn't the greatest when there's pressure up the middle. So 
you know, the interior is going to have to earn their money and, and try to shut down Buckner. Yeah, and Quinn Williams had a good amount of success last week for the Jets, um, creating pressure and, and stopping the run game up the middle. So obviously Buckner's a you know much better player at this point in his career. So they could have some issues there, even though that's been an, an area where they've typically been good this season. Speaking of familiar faces, uh, the Raiders welcome back another familiar face. Uh, Daryl Worley is back. Yeah, people on Twitter yesterday were mad about that. Like, oh, that's horrible. But, I mean, they looked at the depth of this team. I mean, I mean they're not saying he's going to come in and start. I think he knows the system. I mean, he made a few plays in, in his couple of years here. I think he's not he's not that bad. So, I mean, he had a rough year this year at the Cowboys. But he knows the system. He'll come in. He won't play this weekend, but he should be ready to go next Thursday against the Chargers. And again, yeah, I mean, what we've seen of so far of Keyshawn Nixon and Amik Robertson is they're not quite – not quite ready, I think, to have a, a you know, large role on defense right now. So I think Darren Worley gives you a little insurance case against playing those guys too much. I didn't get the negative reaction. Like I get what he wasn't, you know, the best player in his time with the Raiders. But I mean, the secondary has been really bad this season. And you know, outside of playing poorly, you know, a lot of guys are beat up right now. They have a, a ton of injuries, so you need some kind of help. So you know, we're not saying he's going to you know flip their fortunes or anything like that, but. You know, I think he can be a positive addition, at least. Oh, yeah, I mean, at this point in the season, who else are you gonna are you gonna get? You know, just having somebody that knows the system and can get you a body there and add some depth, it's a good thing. I mean, they're I'm not sure they're not expecting Daryl Worley to come in and all of a sudden change this defense, but yeah, just at this point of season with the the injuries, you, you just need somebody that could know the system and not blow assignments mentally. You know, maybe they'll get physically beat, but you can live with that. Just looking at today's injury report, so we, we mentioned Arnett was out with a concussion today, and then um, Isaiah Johnson limited with a groin injury, uh, Nevin Lawson limited with an ankle and knee injury, so the guys they have are kind of banged up. You know, and Vic, I know you mentioned they're not ruling out Arnett at this point for uh, for playing on Sunday, but I mean, when you look at back-to-back weeks going through the concussion protocol, there's got to be concern there because we know, I think all the research tells us that when you and kind of back up and sustain multiple concussions in a row. It can be scary. When you look at the way these have happened, both kind of on tackle attempts, um, I mean, I know the first one uh, in Atlanta was kind of friendly fire. This was one where, you know, lowering the head and him and Gore collided heads. I mean, is there any concern that that he's going to have to maybe adjust the way that he, you know, he's an aggressive player, and I'm sure the Raiders like that about him, that he's not afraid to stick his head in there and try to make tackles, but this is obviously something they don't want to see. Yeah, I'm not sure they had those talks yet. I think they like his style of play. I mean, I heard, I think it was Jim O'Neill, they made a Jack Tatum comparison at some point. They want these old school kind of guys who can definitely be aggressive and, and lay some hits down. So I'm not sure they're going to tell him to change his style quite yet, but definitely I think two in a row, you definitely have to raise your eyebrows and say, okay, this can't be a pattern that keeps going on because you're going to cut your career short. So I think... I think John Gruden was pretty optimistic about him on Monday. He said he thinks he's okay and was in pretty good shape. Wasn't even sure on Monday if he was going to be in the concussion protocol, but he is. But I think they'll be okay with him going forward. And, and, and at this point, not be too much worried about his, you know, his, his habit of getting his head in, in, on, his, on these hits. I do think he needs to stop dipping his head, though. <laughs> you know, don't, you know, it's, one, it's good to be physical, but like, don't leave with your helmet, man. Maybe part of that is the fact that his hand is in a cast, or one of his hands is in a cast, and so he can't use them as well to tackle. So, like, I guess the head is the next best thing. But they need him out there with how bad the secondary has been playing so far this season, and he really hasn't been available for for a lot of the season between having his broken hand and then injuring it, and now having these concussions back to back weeks. They're obviously entering a, a crucial juncture here, so they don't need him 
you know, essentially taking himself out. I will say, I think he's flashed. I think when, when he has played, I can see why they like him. I think definitely all the draft picks they have this year, he's definitely the one that I think has shown he's a real deal. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. All right, well, let's take some questions here before we uh, make our predictions. Uh, we'll start with this one from uh, from 160. He says, Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio has said that the run defense woes are because of scheme, asking quarterbacks to contain the edge. He says, Lincoln specifically said in the Jets game, Joyner was asked to take on guards. What do you guys think? And is Gunther gone after the season? Yeah, LaMarcus Joyner taking on guards in the run game, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I can't that's imagine. That's a good matchup. That's a good matchup, I think, right? I can't imagine that's true. He's having a hard enough time with receivers. <laughs> I mean, they're going to put him on guards now? I mean, I just, uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, the run defense was horrible. And I think you blame both, you know, the scheme and, and the players. But, I mean, guys are getting pushed back. I mean, I'm not sure you can put that all on Paul Gunther when guys are getting pushed back five yards. So, I'll have to ask about the Marcus Jordan thing on guards. I'm pretty sure the response I'll get, but I'll definitely ask. I was going to say, I think the other issue is they're, the key to the defense. Three technique has not been good in the middle of the season. It's probably, you know, something tells me that probably plays a factor. And, and Littleton misses, you know, almost a quarter of his tackles when he plays. I mean, their philosophy is to kind of clog things up the middle and have running backs bounce out to um, the secondary and have them contain that way. But, you know, if you're not really stringing plays out and you're getting dominated and guy and running backs get north and south quickly, or you could get a pulling guard outside where a joiner might have to take them out. You know, bad things happen. You know, I don't think the scheme is terrible because a lot of teams do this, but they're, they're more stout up the middle and they could have running backs, you know, kind of run more horizontally. So I don't think the scheme is the problem as far as the run defense. I just think that, yeah, they're just not playing well and, Mo Hurst did not look very. I don't think he's 100%. I think the front just has to be more physical. And, you know, I don't know how they're going to accomplish that. Yeah, I think someone told me Mo's at 50%, is what I heard. And I think you watched the game last week. And to me, I mentioned, I think on the podcast on Sunday, the safeties to me were really bad last week. I think definitely getting Abram back to see um, a lot better work in the run fits with him back this week. 
All right. Next question from Jeffrey Matthews. How has Corey Littleton's role changed over the last two games with Morrow getting more playing time? Despite his contract, any risk the Raiders cut him if he doesn't improve? Looking at that contract, I don't think uh, I don't think a cut is, is really possible. It looks like dead cap, dead money uh, would be like 19 million next year if they cut him. Uh, so I don't think that yeah, I think they're going to have to kind of figure out a role for him, right? Yeah, I think the two deals they can't really get rid of are his and, and Nassim's, so the guy at the bench last week. And those guys are, are back next year no matter what because there's too much dead cap uh, money. But I think with Littleton, I think uh, maybe just make him, um, you know, a zone linebacker. the guy who comes in uh, on pass plays, but um, he's clearly not working as a, a guy who can play much more than that, and Morrow definitely has earned more more snaps so far. Yeah, the last couple of weeks, Morrow has been kind of taking his place when they when they go to their four two five nickel package, which they, which they use pretty often. Um, they use it more than their 4-3 base. I think part of that might be, I mean, we do have to keep in mind Littleton did have the virus and he's been working back with his conditioning. So I don't know if, obviously this is related to the play of Moreau, but I also don't know if he's all the way back from that, you know? So, you know, they're definitely not not cutting him or anything you know, after this season, I don't think. But as far as his role for the rest of the year, uh, I think they're just kind of riding the hot hand right now with Moreau. But I don't think either one of them played all that well against the Jets. All right. Question from Jason. Do you guys think getting Trent Brown back will be enough to get the running game going against the Colts, even if Jacobs is out again? Obviously, Vic, you're reporting that they expect to have both Brown and Jacobs back. But is, is Brown enough himself to make a difference in the run game? I think so. I think I mean, we've all talked about how he's clearly better than, than Sam Young and Brandon Parker. So I think just, you know. Uh, he's he's a dom- like Derek says a dominant guy both in the pass and the run game so I think it's a it's a big deal. I think with Brown back they get north and south against this Colts defense that they're a little smaller and quicker. They rely on athleticism so they're hard to run outside with. But if you could move those guys up the middle and obviously with Brown back that you know the chance of that increases drastically for the Raiders. All right, question here from Michael McNamara. Uh, it says, we often grade drafts after a year or two. Grade Mayock's first few free agent classes with the benefit of hindsight. So not grading the draft, but grading. If we we're grading his first draft, I think we'd probably all give it an A. You know, and, and the second one is a little more incomplete. But uh, his first uh, two free agent classes, what are we, what are we giving those? Uh, <laughs> those are not going to be graded nearly as well. Well, this year's has been terrible, right? I mean, I can't. I'm trying to think of who's actually worked out well this year in terms of Aguilar and Booker. Uh, Aguilar and Booker, all right, that's true. That's good. You guys are quick. Boom, boom. So yeah, that uh, gets them up to a D, maybe D plus. A D, all right. And, uh, and I'm trying to think. Of last year, I know everyone talks about Jordan not Joyner. working out, but but Richie w- worked out well. I mean, that was a yeah. good signing at the time. He was definitely uh, had a big role last year. And uh, wasn't there somebody else who brought in last year? Was it was Tyrell Williams last year, or was that you? Yeah, Tyrell Williams. Trent Brown. So. Trent Brown, Brown last year. Brown. Oh, we forgot the worst one this year, obviously. Your boy, Mariota. <laughs> <My> boy. <laughs> no one's asked Gruden about him being back as number two. Everyone wants me to ask. That's you, ask man. Question. You're the Mariota I'm not going to oh, I'm not, I'm not give you guys satisfaction. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to ask. But yeah, he's back at number two, so there you go. Put put in the media request for him now that he's like an act, on been on that active game day roster. You gotta you gotta talk to him and, and if, if see if and if you did it, if you talked to him, you, I know you'd be wearing your cow hat just to even rub it in even more. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm doing. I got a lot of cow pride now. My football team, we're one one and three. You got one lost win. Sta- lost to Stanford. I got a lot of pride. Yeah, I've been wearing my hat all around town. Darren Covey uh, asked, and I appreciate this question that he's asking. What does it look like after the season? He wants to know, what does Gunther's job security look like after the season? So he's not rushing to to do anything right now. 
But after this season, that would be you know, three years in, chance where they've gotten him some draft picks and gotten him some free agents that I don't know who you blame for them not working out. But uh, do you think there's any chance that uh, that Gruden you know, makes a decision uh, on Gunther after this season? Yeah, I think there's a chance. I think um, I think they were showing some signs of progress in, before these last two games. Obviously, that that's gone out the window. But I think he has to see a strong finish from, from uh, the defense this year. But I definitely think um, he's been unhappy at times. With obviously, the way they they play in defense, I think a lot of that goes on Gunther as well as the players. I think there's definitely blame to go on both sides. But I do think after three years, he'll look at the overall production, and he can't be totally uh, or even remotely happy with. The progress or even the stats, I'm sure, are pretty ugly. So I think it'll definitely be a topic uh, as far as Gunther's um, future in, in the offseason. Yeah, I think if they miss the playoffs and the defense continues to do what it's been doing, I think we might probably have a new coordinator next year on that side of the ball. Just my gut feeling, obviously. But I just, I just don't see how, how they can, can stick with it, given how good the offense has been this season, despite missing all the pieces and you know, having guys get, get COVID and, and everything like that. You know, obviously they don't they don't have that level of te- de- uh, talent on the defensive side of the ball, but with all the money that they've invested in mean, the draft capital that they use, you know, I, th- I think all of us expected them to at least be average, maybe a little below average, but they've been bad again for you know a third straight season. You know, I think if they flame out here at the end of the year, you, you probably need to make that move. Yeah, I mean, you know, what happens if they lose some key games down the stretch and opponents are scoring, you know, over thirty five points in in those games? I mean, how how could you? justify bring Gunther back if that does happen so yeah I will we'll see there's still some games left but I agree I think the defense has to show some improvement down this playoff stretch that they're trying to make I'm talking to hinge on the question like did he misuse the parts he was given or was he given some lemon parts in terms of the guy they signed in, in free agency was he given some guys who weren't really quite a great scheme fit and didn't play well for other for whatever reason so I think in the end um, Green will look at Okay, where was where was the problem? Was the problem in evaluating the guys we brought in and signed, or was the problem once we got these guys we didn't use them correctly? So I think that will be to me the ultimate question that the general will have to answer at some point. I think you want your defensive coordinator to be able to elevate the talent, even if you don't have a lot of talent. You want coaching to be able to kind of mask those inefficiencies. You know, kind of like what Raheem Morris is doing. and Maybe that's an interesting name if he doesn't get the job in Atlanta. But it, it, those players just flame out. You don't see a lot of development from guys. So, it, yeah, it's just been bad overall. Ted, you spoiled the next question. Oh, my bad. From Steve 7 listener from Germany here. Uh, thank you for the show. And, hey, thanks for listening from Germany. It says it's the best Raiders analysis every week. Question, if PG is gone after the season, except for Marinelli, what are some other options for DC? Gruden seems to look for people he used to work with in the past, and that's who I was going to mention. I mean, if Raheem Morris does not get the Falcons job, um, you wouldn't expect that he would stay there as an assistant under whomever they hire. And if he's not hired as a head coach elsewhere, I mean, that would seem like probably the the most natural guy for uh, Gruden to go back and, uh, and grab Raheem Morris and bring him in if he's looking for a D coordinator. I was going to say, uh, Greg Williams is available. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. And Gruden always speaks highly. He always speaks highly of Greg Williams, too. He does. So. He really loves yeah. it this week. Yeah. Anthony Lynn could be available. There's definitely a bunch of guys who could be available. So I think um, there should be a bunch of names that are somewhat attractive. Maybe the Broncos coach, if he gets fired, Fangio. You bring the Brink truck out for Vic Fangio if he's available. 
All right. Well, it's prediction time, and uh, the pressure is on now because uh, we found out that there is a, a website out there that's tracking our predictions. They're giving us IQ scores and everything based on – they're not just tracking our winning percentages, which uh, out of us to Sean is leading 75% win percentage. He's 9-3. and three. I'm 8-4. and four. Ted is 7-4 and four because they, they're going based off the printed – uh predictions that we make and ted uh one of one of the weeks he forgot to submit his and vic is six and six with a low iq score so the pressure is odd guys uh raiders taking on the colts they are two and a half point underdogs at home uh we're not picking against the spread of course but what are you guys uh what are you guys picking i think if if with vic you know obviously reported today that uh you know if abram brown and jacobs play then i'm gonna go with the raiders I'm kind of going to hinge on my best stuff. I, mean, I, I got to see how the rest of the week plays out. If any of those guys are rolled out, I think I'm going to go with the Colts. But as it stands, going with Vic's report, and I'm going to go with the Raiders. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Raiders if Brown, Abram, and Jacobs play. I think the strength of this Colts team is their, their front four. And if Brown comes back, I think they'll be able to handle their front four adequately. And Carr has a big day. I, I think the ground game is not going to be explosive, but I think they're going to do enough to keep this offense on track and uh, maybe convert some high-leverage situations. Yeah, I just don't think Phillip Rivers has the arm to, to punish the secondary deep. So if those guys play, I'm going with the Raiders. You said no Vic to be the bad guy. Come on, Vic. Do it. I'll go first. I, you know, I've picked the Raiders. I'm looking at it. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six out of the last seven games. Um, so that's, that's, that's a lot of picking the Raiders. Uh, and if, if Tashawn is picking uh, the Raiders, I need to make up ground on him. He's nine and three. I'm eight and four. So I am going with the Colts. Uh, I mean, the Raiders, they survived against the Jets, but let's be real. I mean, they, they, the way they play it is, is nowhere near capable of beating a good team. They got to prove it to me again that they can come home and, and play well against uh, the, the Colts. And uh, I will take the Colts in this one. We'll go uh 31-28. Well, I'm going to try and wrap my low IQ around this pick. Um <laughs> I think uh the way the season's gone, the only way that these next two games can go is they're going to beat the Colts and lose to the Chargers. That's my prediction. I'm giving I'm giving you a two-week combo combo plate. I am winning Jimmy's score is pretty good. I had 30-27, so I'm right with Jimmy in the score. But I got 30-27 uh Raiders winning on, on Sunday. All right. Well, we will see what our IQ scores look like after this one. See, but... this whole IQ thing, I'm, now I'm, I'm pissed, man, because <laughs> this is all for entertainment. This is, a, this is an entertainment podcast. I'm trying it's to pick up, please, people. Go against, the, go against you guys sometimes, having back and forth. I'm not actually, like, locked in, examining these picks and breaking them down scientifically. Man, my IQ has been questioned. It really hurts. <laughs> I hurt by the whole thing. All right. Well, we will see how you feel on Sunday. If uh, plus was it forty seven percent? Was that me? Like a, a, that's, that seems that seems really low. Also, that's a, that's a low number. Uh, I think the picks they weight it higher if you like correctly pick uh, an upset or I don't know. Tim Kawakami, out of all of uh, all of us at the Athletic Bay Area that that predict, he has the highest IQ score. So uh, I'm sure all of you listeners out there will appreciate that. And hey, that's largely because he correctly predicted that that upset over the Chiefs. So good for him. But all right, that'll wrap up this week's State of the Nation. We will be back, of course, on Sunday night after the Raiders take on the Indianapolis Colts. Later. Adios.